Hey gang, welcome to episode 163 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm Noah Nelson, coming to you from No Pro headquarters in Los Angeles, a uh, slightly less messy dining room table. Um, this episode is brought to you, as always, by Meow Wolf. This week on the show, uh, this is one of our After Dark specials. Uh, Catherine and Anthony are going to join me. Uh, Catherine by phone. Uh, Anthony, who is sitting uh, just to the left of me here. Um, I, I wanted to say, as as he always does, I, I wish, I wish. Um, it'd, it'd be fun to do these more often. Uh, we did this uh, some number of weeks ago. Let me let me find out when did this when was this actually recorded? This was recorded on. Oh, well, I don't I don't have that in front of me. Uh, <laughs> No, I really don't have it in front of me. It was recorded some number of weeks ago. Um, it was it was the very same week that uh, I I did the um, uh, experience by design show. So there was there was a lot of the same stuff in the air. Uh, the sad thing about it is we started recording and we were kind of like all on fire about sort of like the whole like you know uh, church and religion as it relates to immersive uh, topic, and then the the system died on us. So we had to use something else. Uh, so we lost the original version of the show, and then we started to re-record. So it's it's one of those episodes. So we ultimately get into it. Um, we're releasing this one this week because it's Labor Day weekend. Figure everyone's going to kind of be tooling about, um, and this is this is uh, this is a nice one to use like right now. Uh, I never know if like holidays are going to be more traffic, less traffic, um, but uh, there you go. We are uh, squirreling away some episodes for the future. Um, last week, I had a great interview with uh, David Wally of MyCo2. If you don't know those names, uh, MyCo2 uh, works a lot with Giant Spoon. They're the company who uh, do the show writing and uh, the performance execution on things like, uh, you know, uh, the Westworld activation at South by Southwest. Uh and when I say like, I mean they did that. And when I say they, I mean uh, David wrote that and directed it, and we go in on it. So uh, that one's in your episode next week. Now you're like, well, I want to know. I want to know. It's like, hey, 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 just hang out with us for a weekend. Let's let's slow it down. Uh, spooky season is almost here here in Los Angeles, uh, and also in New York. Um, there's there's all the announcements being made left and right, just here and there. Um, it's going to be a very, very busy season. There's going to be a lot to do. Hold on to your wallets. Uh, Creep just announced this week. Uh, we know Theater Macabre is coming up. <clears throat> Hopefully be talking to those guys really soon. Uh, that's on the books. Um, we've got uh, Delusion coming up, uh, and uh, we've got, I've got you know, a bunch about Delusion that's going to be in the next few weeks. So, yeah, um, let's have some fun. Uh, let's just uh, roll with it this week. Let's do a little bit of the business before we jump into this very, very, very laid back episode, um, which of course is we need to thank our latest Patreon backers. We are on, I just whistled. Um, <laughs> I didn't know I did not lose a tooth. Uh, <laughs> we've been doing pretty good this month. We've got 10 new patrons overall. Uh, we put uh, 82 bucks on on the clock. Uh, right now we stand at uh, 180, 100 bucks. Uh, $1,183 is where we're standing. The next goal is $1,250. So we are we are getting so close. Um, and, and I'd love to see this in the five and the ones. Uh, because when you're asking anyone for a dollar a month, uh, you know, things go wrong uh, for folks. It usually isn't that big of a deal. So, uh, yeah, um, that's coming along. We've got 176 patrons now. Uh, so we're, we're pushing towards that, that big, beautiful 200 number this week, uh, Drew Nelson, C. Miller and Jesse Diskoff, uh, Ditkoff. Why did I slur that? Jesse Ditkoff. Sorry, Jesse. Um, all, uh, joined in. <laughs> Jesse was here for a minute anyway. Ugh, stupid Nelson. Yesterday, uh, yesterday on a WeChat, I called uh, Dreamscape Immersive, Dreamwave Immersive. Uh, after having spent an hour there, 
because my brain is addled and I can't remember any form of a name for longer than 20 seconds. Um, sorry about that, Jenny. Uh, I just publicly, you know, humiliate myself on my inability to remember anything's name for, you know, the rest of my life. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Her- Herstand, Mark Balthazar, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. Thank you all. I don't know why anyone <laughs> does this, but I'm very glad you do. We hit the 175, so thank you so much. Uh, we've got about 70 bucks till we get to the mobile rig. Um, and uh, tell your friends, tell all your friends, because, um, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'll talk some more about that afterwards. Okay, um, and now, without further ado, um, here's this conversation Anthony, Catherine, and I had uh, about a month ago. Uh, it was good. Uh, we had a lot of great episodes. Uh, so I was like, oh, I'll hold out and put this out when we when we need to. So it's 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 now. Um, this is just us. Uh, grab a drink. Uh, listen in. I'll see you on the other side. This is like the ninth time is the charm. Um, and this, we, we got a good head of steam going and then the computer stopped us. This is Noah. And this is Anthony. And joining us through the cursed medium of the internet from New York is... Thanks Verizon. It's Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> this show is no longer brought to you by Verizon. No, it's cool. Uh, if anything, I want it being brought to you by AT&T one day. So... Um, of course, now my neighbors are like riding motorcycles up the street. Perfect. Um, we might as well be it's outside. Immersive. Yeah, it's, it's immersive. Yeah, no. Uh, I still want to get like a binaural mic. Okay, so we've spent the past twenty minutes dealing with technical issues. So trying to like find a thread of a conversation. We had this great conversation going. Where we were solving all of humanity's problems yeah, through connection, and, and then uh, through connection, and then ironically enough, uh, the computer connection failed. Yeah. So, new technology. Um, I don't want to just. I don't want to start off with a, a a pedestrian. So, like, you know, what are you looking forward to? But I guess, like, maybe we should. Well, start we were talking with... about how October just sprung up out of nowhere. Yeah, we were talking about how October sprung up out of nowhere. Um, but I think I think before we go into the future, I think I'd rather talk about like the recent past. So, like, what? What have we seen of late that's kind of gotten gotten our engines engines going? Catherine, is there anything on your end that's like kind of stood out for you? Sort of the I mean, no, sort of the what you've been playing section of the show. I I've had this conversation at least two or three times with other people, specifically creators who didn't get a chance to see the new Third Rail show that was sponsored mm-hmm. by McAllen, and so it was like. What was it like? How was it executed? Um, And then them saying, like, there's no way I can ever match that. There's no way I ever can make something that well executed, that masterful, that nuanced. Um, And the thing that I have to keep reminding, I think, everyone I talk to is that Third Rail has been at this for a very, very long time. And then in speaking with, like, Zach and Tom on occasion, you know, they came out of the downtown New York dance scene. It was the late 90s, early 2000s. They were responding to the work that was putting out there because they thought that there was something missing. And they had multiple opportunities to hone their approach, be it um, site-specific dance that was done at like South Seaport or other parts in Lower Manhattan that was sponsored by the Lower Manhattan uh, Cultural Council. They had multiple years where they did the steampunk haunted house. And only after they built an installation and did tons and tons and tons of site-specific dance did they want to put together like a show. And I I think someone on Everything Immersive was asking about, then she felt closing and I went back (laughs) and I remember... I saw it. Um, I saw a dress rehearsal. I remember wanting to buy tickets again right away. 
because they were threatening to close after five weeks or so. Oh my wow. goodness. Yeah. Well, they've been threatening to close for like five weeks or three months, like for a couple of years, five years now or something <laughs> right. like that. So, yeah, no, yeah. I remember when was like, oh, this show is closing on this date. And I was like, oh, sweet summer child. You know, <laughs> like it's right. No, They're trying not- to create that artificial scarcity. But yeah. I was saying, like, hey, if you go back and you look at like the really early work from Third Rail before, I think even before they were calling themselves Third Rail, like they have been at this game for nearly 20 years. So, you know, maybe that's how long it takes to figure out like potentially what the pinnacle of the form is. I don't know. But yeah, uh, that work, I think there's just so many, so many aspects to talk, like so many aspects that you can think about it from the logistical aspect to the fact that it was sponsored by a major brand to the fact that it really didn't have that much dance in it. Um, There were a couple dance scenes, um, one in the TTMS office and one that you saw from the street. But to me, it felt maybe a little bit more character driven or kind of like these little vignettes. So there's that aspect and the fact that it was so short lived and the fact that it must have been so expensive to put on and people just thinking about like, the throughput, right? So um, I believe it had a cast of 17. The time slot I had, myself and my husband were paired with another couple. So that single track was four people. Yeah. Well, and like, and that's something that's coming up, right? I mean, there was that, um, there was, there's the, the video from Midsummer where they had, you know, the folks making the activations down at SDCC talking. And one of them, you know, whipped out the fact that, you know, it was $600 a head to put people through one of the larger activations. For, for free. For free. For free. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it was like six, about $600 a head in costs, right? And and how is that going to be sustainable? And the answer is it's not. not yeah. And then the other thing I find interesting, I find it really interesting people coming out of that piece creators or hearing about that piece and saying like they're never gonna be able to make something like that because sort of that was my feeling when i saw sleep no more but when i saw then she fell i was like oh this is really good and i i'd have to be at a operate a much higher level but at least i can grok it like i can i can understand you know because of the 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 connection between audience and performer in that piece i can understand where to start Right. Sleep No More, I was just like, I don't even know. Like, I'm, I'm not a choreographer. I'm not a set designer. I don't know where to begin. But even though there's beautiful choreography and beautiful set design in Then She Fell, there's also a lot of connection between performers and participants. And I was like, I know where to start with that. Well, it, it, it's a difference between having a larger show with you know more throughput and yeah. a smaller show that's much more intimate. And going back to what we were saying earlier about connection. Yeah. You know, it's like before we before, before we get started, before we get stopped, um, we were we were kind of riffing through about like, you know, mega churches versus regular congregations. And, you know, the idea that, you know, connecting in a mega church, like how, how do we connect in something yeah. that in something that large when there's like you're talking about like thousands and hundreds of thousands of people as opposed to, you know, a couple of hundred per yeah. congregation. How do you find your role in a society or a community when the community is way too large? And I think that's something that everyone struggles with all the time, everywhere. Yeah. From Facebook to Twitter to yeah. Instagram. And- from, from Chattanooga, Tennessee to, you know, Belarus, yeah. right? Like we're all struggling with where do we fit in, you know? And, and people are dredging up some pretty old shitty answers right now (laughs) and out here in experiential design land we're trying to say what if we could rewrite the social contract you know like what would it what would it be like um and and that's not what everyone's consciously doing but i think on an unconscious level it's it's really what's going on these days um you know experimental bubbles and new new worlds um and then the 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 other thing about what they the process they had for that McKellen piece is they had a lot of time. Like this was their second standing up of it. Mm-hmm. They had done a they had done a previous pop up what six months ago, nine yeah. months ago, November. Yeah. yeah. So like really long time ago, and that's I think that's the other thing that a lot of creators like 
if they're going like, oh, I'll never be able to do something like that. It's like, well, I mean, if you have enough resources, you could you could work on it and come back in time and and spend the time to work on it. And I think there's a lot of people who respond to a perceived perceived market demand. Like, I gotta feed the beast. I got I can't drop out of of the thing and I gotta keep on making the next new thing. And so you so you end up rushing through something that something that you could take longer to build yeah. and, and to, to shape into exactly what you want it. Instead, you kind of get this thing that's that's really good, but it's not, you know, it still has some rough edges around it. Oh, it still yeah, totally. Edges, or, is it, or isn't meant to stand up for very long, right? You mm-hmm. know, like people aren't designing pieces of the idea towards sustainability. And in LA, it's because we don't, you know, we don't have a place to do the runs. But I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about New York right now. I'm even thinking about things like eight players, which goes away and then comes back, yeah. right? Like, if a piece is strong enough, it can be brought back out of, of you know, mothballs. Yeah. I mean, there have been a couple that have been here in Los Angeles that have done that. You know, started in Fringe, and then they remounted it, and then they remounted it again. You know, yeah. So you're like, oh. And it's not always it's not always like super easy. I mean, I know like um, I think like Cavell came back again, mm-hmm. but is is having trouble. And I think I think there. I mean, part of that's like you know the ticket price is 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 not is not cheap, and there's 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 a way in which like buzz around a show definitely needs to like be sustained. And it's been it's been like eight months or something I think since they last did it. Um, although that's a really great show for sort of you know group sales you know type deal. Um, what's the computer doing now? Now the computer's doing something weird. Um, like K-pop is coming back. I think that took them multiple years to write because they had to do all of the music also, right? So yeah. it ran last fall and it's coming back in 2019. Only when Woodshed and all their collaborators find a space and a deal and something that's going to be sustainable for them. Um, and then I was talking to the linked dance theater folks and they said that you know it, it takes them like a year to really let the idea gestate and to really work on what they're going for and to make sure that they're like in conversation with the space so and you know if i feel like if you do rush into a show um you'll people like you'll notice the audience will probably notice oh no they totally do they, they 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 absolutely do, and I think there's a there's a tier of this work where that's that's great. Um, like when a company's young and trying things out and experimenting, but when a company starts to want to grow, it's like oh you got to take time because because the irony is it's not like people are making money hand over fist <laughs> doing this stuff. So it's like rushing out a bunch of work trying to keep things afloat. It's like whoa like you're you're not you're not going to build up enough capacity, right? It's just, that's just, that's just not going to happen. Um, partly because like the runs are so short, they're truncated. Um, there's, there's this idea. It's actually something that Josh Randall uh, brought up in that panel. Like he, Josh kind of thinks he's the creator of blackout. He thinks that particularly in LA that like the market's saturated. And that just means like, blink my eyes because the, the the problem i don't think is like so the the current you know crop of, of fans right like they're saturated but if you saw that as the only market then yeah like if you're trying to make if you're trying to make a horror piece in la you better bring your freaking a game yeah because <laughs> it's a very demanding audience and, and they're dated and and some of them are some of them are some of them are some of them are jaded because they've literally seen it all now and they want a really deep emotional connection and they like longitudinal stuff and they've been they've been getting it so like they've set the expectations you know pretty high or they've they you know they've got their their favorite artists and they're you know gonna like they're gonna be true friends of that group. And they may not have the means to go, you know, be true fans of everybody because this is a pricey fucking hobby. Um, And, but there are vast untapped seas of human beings who don't even know this work exists unless maybe they saw a post about Westworld at South by Southwest. Yeah. Well, look, look, look. I, um, one of the places I frequent, uh, 
one of the, one of the drinking establishments that I frequent often um, is literally right across from where um, Midsummer Scream takes place. Oh, yes. And I had an hour and a half conversation with a bartender who apparently does make it for haunts on the occasion. And he had no idea that it was happening. Oh, wow. And I'm like, what? Like, you know, there's all this immersive stuff that's going on in Los Angeles. He's like, wait, I know know some, you know, I know that there's some haunts and I know that there are a couple of, uh, um, you know, there there are a bunch of, um, uh, my brain is tapping out. Uh, You know, there are haunts. I know that there are escape rooms everywhere. Um, But, you know, I didn't know there was all this theater going on. I'm like, yeah, it's like, it's huge. You know, it's, it's, it's huge and it's still growing. And we had this hour and a half conversation. He's like, wow, I had no idea that it was that much going on in Los Angeles. Yeah. And, you know, you figure for every one person who you have that hour and a half conversation with, you know, there's like 20 or 30 in the room. <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. Who have no clue you guys are even talking yeah. about it. Yeah. And and for every for every person who's who's clued in and aware and a fan has been going to stuff for a couple of years, there's there's a couple of thousand people who have a barest inkling, yeah. you know. Um, it's one of the things, you know, it, so that's why it's exciting when, you know, Darren Lynn Bowsman announces uh, Theater Macabre and he gets Paris Hilton to like tweet about it because yeah, like Paris is in repo. So he's like, you know, hey, Paris. Um, so like that's that's fun because that's people who have, you know, no bloody clue that, you know, there's, there's plenty of people who are going. I mean, will that audience like – perk up and be like oh i gotta go do this thing not necessarily, not necessarily but but, yeah. but you know that that buzz and that that je ne sais quoi you know um and that was one of the things that was really exciting back in 2016 with with tension uh and it, it, it bowing is like it got all the trade rags here in town talking about this stuff uh because darren's pedigree and that was something that hadn't happened before so suddenly the mainstream press kind of kind of woke up to it and then you know we we sort of walked away from that for a while because we had you know kind of a i don't want to say a lackluster 2017 but we definitely had struggles in 2017 and now it's 2018 and we're feels like we're back again and that's really exciting uh for los angeles at the moment anthony what have you what have you been seeing um it's kind of honestly you up one of the 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 two exciting things, like at the end of last year when we did our, like our hopes and dreams for the next year, mm-hmm. you know, my two big things, I was like, I want to see more comedy, right? You know, and I wanted to see more things for kids. Yeah. And lo and behold, it's like somebody like like was already listening, like okay, we're we were already working on it, you know, because um, I look at what's happening in New York. Um, I know they've been doing it for a little bit, but like you know, until I really saw it uh, show up, like that's one of the big ones that I want to go to. I mean, it's yeah. a dinner party. It's you know, it's a romantic comedy with some you know drama and. So uh, much drama! Oh my god, you have no idea. Are you caught up? Did you read the recaps? Um, um, I've been re- I've been trying to keep up on the recaps um, and you know, follow on their Instagram. I mean, it's like it's like the best of like a little bit, a little bit of almost ARX and a little bit, of, you know, a whole lot of immersive uh, dinner theater. And it's uh, uh, yeah, it's baby mama drama. It's kind of it's amazing. And um, if I get so out there, it's a soap opera. Yeah, it's it's a total soap opera. It's a black folk soap opera, which makes me even more excited. <laughs> um, and. Uh, uh, you know, so like it's neat to see that kind of stuff happening, and you know, there's been stuff going on in Los Angeles. You know, and some of it's been like on the edges of immersive, but like the idea that people are um, moving towards a little bit more comedic um, end of of what can happen um, is it's exciting to see because I know a lot of what we what we do and what we end up with. You know, it's like we have a lot of horror, we have a lot of drama, we have a lot of deep stuff, and sometimes it gets really heavy. I think the know? entire spring season was like death, 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 and then like. So when everyone's like and a joke, it was like it was like death, yeah, death, 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 and a joke, yeah, barely yeah. a joke, right? And and so when everyone was like, oh, like you know, no one wants to go to this stuff anymore. I was like, you guys did it. In, everyone did an entire season of death. Like why? Like it's this world is depressing enough as it is. Can someone bring some light? And uh, so we went to that gumshoe. Yeah, and the gumshoe gum Inc. with with, right? uh, with yeah with the with the kids. This escape room that's designed for little people, like little for kids. And you know, I've got two of my own monsters, as many of you guys know. Um, and it's really exciting to see something that engages them uh, and then brings them into it because, like I, I'm fond of saying, it's like, you know, the new new immersive people have to come from somewhere. And that the desire has to come early because, you know, as a theater kid, I know no as a theater kid, I was a theater kid, we got into it pretty early. You know, yeah. we got it like elementary school and high school. Um, and, you know, the earlier we can get people thinking about immersive and escape rooms and that kind of connection the earlier they'll start dabbling in it yeah and, and who knows you know like 
for all we know, like there's a 14 year old right now who's writing some amazing piece um, that, you know, maybe a handful of people in high school gets to get to see, but you know, in 10 years, he's going to have polished his craft and you're going to have, you know, some amazing stuff that's going to come out of that. So. Well, that reminds me of, of like the La Habra theater guild down in, down in uh, Orange County, and I haven't checked in with them in a oh, minute. That's right, you did that. Uh... But like they did, like their teacher, you know, he did. They did a pretty elaborate, you know, processional piece that included some like wonderful sensory effects. I think my favorite thing was they had, they had because you know part of the history of Orange County is like you know orange packing. <laughs> they they did a room where they were talking about the history of orange packing, and they filled it with crates of oranges, and like that was a full sensory experience. I was like, my God, like I, I, it smells like I'm swimming in orange juice right now. It was, it was bright and amazing. Um, and just a, a simple thing. And I was, I was pretty darn impressed by what they managed to do. And that was, you know, a, a high school theater troupe. Um, so it's definitely not, it's not impossible at all. No. Right. You know? Um, but then like, I think we should point out with Gumshoe Inc. Like it wasn't just an escape room. Like there were performers, performers yeah. in like, each of the rooms, which yeah. which is another fun trend. And that was like sort of two fun, you know, three fun trends at once. It was a comedy. Yep. It was for kids, and it was an escape room with live actors. Yeah. And um, and it it was it was fun just because to watch the you know the kids who were with us connect because there was no pretense. There was no you know there there was no pretense of like oh these are actors or they you know they just dropped right into it and. You know, to have a couple of kids on the older side, you know, we had, uh, you know, like I said, like a, what, a nine, 10, 11 year old in that room with us. Yeah. Um, you know, when they're in a video, you know, most of them are video game modes. Most of them know that, you know, that they're, you know, when you lift off the heads off the characters in certain places, you know, they're, they're you know, not the actual character, you know, they, right. they, they get that. And um, to see them connect with them in character as the characters that they are, it was you know, it's like we, we keep talking about, it's like, you know, how you build connections. Yeah. Well, you know, you have kids that are building connections instantly with these characters who are, you know, well-developed, well-thought-out and well-played. And um, uh, it's really exciting to see that uh, because, you know, at least, the, you know, the amusement parks in Los Angeles, you know, it's one of the things we've been lucky about, kind of like jump a segue. Um, we've been lucky, you know, I've been lucky. I grew up here in Los, uh, something like California. So, you know, I've had Disneyland and Nods. And these, you know, and uh, Universal Studios, where you know, there's there's face characters, there's people walking around, and their whole idea for a lot of what they do is to put you in that world when you're there. So you know, um, so there are a lot of kids who've kind of grown up with that here. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they kind of know that the, you know there, there's tricks to the trade because you know because we are all surrounded by you know Hollywood, they, they kind of know you know they kind of know like okay, that's kind of fake or this is kind of fake. Right. And to be able to build a theater experience, and that's the you know the big distinction. It's a theater experience um, for kids, where they're able to connect and interact, and um, kind of be able to grab hold of that um, that emotional response, yeah. that immediate emotional response. Because, because like the difference between a face character meet, which is to like reinforce your loyalty to the brand, brand yeah. and the real work is done watching the movie or the cartoon or playing the video game in a, in a theater piece or even in an activation. Right. And that's kind of the special sauce of an activation is like, we're not just giving you a chance to meet the character. We're going to put you in that world and let you live in that world for a little while. Um, and that, that depth work is where it get, this gets more interesting. Yeah. Right. Yes. Cause it's not just about, uh, this this kind of touches on the conversation we were having b- before the conversation uh, machine dropped. But like, you know, I was reading an article about Facebook, sort of like you know having this inherent bias towards connection. But the the problem is is that it doesn't treat those connections as being connections between people, right? It's like these users are connected; they are data, yeah. but not actual human beings. And this work encourages you to be human. To yeah, to connect with someone as a human being, not just connect with them as an object. Not that not that you can't just connect with people as objects in these things. Not that there aren't ways to sort of, you know, use it that way uh, if you so choose. But I almost feel like there's an inherent bias. Because there's a human in the room, you must deal with the human in the room. And the human in the room can tell if you're not dealing with the human, human. in the room. Right. Um, 
Catherine, what's what's sort of on the horizon in New York? Um, I don't know if we want to touch on the Highline piece again. Uh, That might be something you're actually looking forward to. I don't know. But um, either with or aside from that, what's what's got your eyes open? So I'm going to take a quick, quick tangent here because something you literally just said was something I just went through. Oh, sure. The Columbia Digital Storytelling Meetup, uh, Lance was prototyping this escape room-like experience. Um, I didn't get to attend the nest, but it felt very nest-like mm. in that he was imbuing a lot of um, memory and nostalgia in a series of objects. And then based upon the configuration of objects, he was framing the configuration as a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And the people who were volunteers from the audience were trying to solve this puzzle as to figure where and then based upon that, he would actually play um, a small experimental film documentary snippet. It might be an interview with his mother. It might be himself narrating. And it's all about uh, his relationship with his father, who passed away a few weeks ago, who was an amateur photographer, left behind thousands and thousands of slides, who was also an amateur firefighter. And many of the slides are of the destruction that the fire creates or like, you know, a house mid blaze. And part of the ambiguity of the narrative is around whether or not uh, Lance's father was responsible for some of these blazes. Wow. And I know, right. So it was all about like, if like legitimately, you, like he's got that question as to whether or not his dad was a firebug, or is that like the narrative he was creating? He, he legitimately, and you know, he was he was very vulnerable in front of like fifty strangers, saying like, one day when I was at school, um, our house caught on fire, and it was the top floor and the ground floor at the same time, and that's not supposed to happen. Oh. Well, and like the whole thing about being an amateur firefighter, not to derail completely here into the details of the story, but like, like twice this week, I heard like the radio news stinger about the psychology of arsonists, uh, because we have some pretty bad fires here in LA um, that were set by an arsonist. 13 fires in one day, I think was very recently. And one of the things in that news article, radio piece was that, you know, it used to be that a lot of firefighters would not well, that a lot of the arsonists would turn out to be firefighters because they were drawn mm-hmm. to it, but they've gotten better at weeding out the fire bugs out of the, the firefighter corps. So, right, right. So, this is all happening mid 70s, yeah. and yeah, he was trying to frame it as something that was escape room like and mm. playing with whether or not it was. And the people in the audience were also very rightly like, is it a game or is it a story? You've kind of presented it as a game, but the more we play the game, the more we actually realize you're telling us a non-linear story with 24 potential chapters, and he only showed a couple of the different chapters, and it was so interesting to see the group of people come in and be like, all right, we're going to solve the puzzle. What objects here are special? What objects go where? And then go from like, oh, these aren't just any old objects these actually mean something to someone else and that someone else also happens to be like two feet away yeah wow. so well, and at like, some point i think he's going to make an actual installation of this in like a year or so in new york and so that's like his blending of immersive theater and escape room and it's gorgeous it's beautiful what he's done so far so um, really looking forward to that next year. Oh yeah, wow. the the idea of like an, a, a documentary, like I want to use Two Bit Circus's story room, right? Because exactly, yes, yes, yeah, because that's that's the branding they use on their escape game type things, and I think that's I think that's really good. I mean, they also I think they got the they might have the trademark on that or something like that but this idea that it doesn't have to be about escaping the room right like so many escape rooms obviously are about escaping the room but it's like yeah you've got like a time limit but i almost want to be like you know it's more interesting if it if that's not just the only goal 
right? You know, like um, I sort of feel like Stash House. Stash House is really escape. It's like you have yeah. an hour to get this right. I mean, they do yeah. have to, like, or the cops are going to come, yeah. right? Like you have a deadline pressure, but it's 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 not the ones that are most interesting to me. Like like the whole like we got to get out of here bit is like less interesting. Like we got to find, find out what's going, going on. on. Yeah, you know, um, like I, it's funny. It's like uh, you know all of our cursing of technology right now. Uh, there was a game that I had found by accident um, for the phone, mm-hmm. um, which is effectively it's an escape room on your phone. It's a, oh, yeah, it's there's a, a fair number of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's the first one I had ever seen uh, a couple years ago. And I was like, this is fantastic because it's a, it's a story. Yeah. But you have to unlock, you know, there's puzzles and clues just like escape room. And uh, I this is one of the things I, I, you know, for me, I have a weird love-hate thing with, with escape rooms because of that because a lot of them are like, you know, lock, another lock, another lock. Yeah. Um, as opposed to let's tell a story about why you're in this room and why you need to get out and or why you need to find you know x y and z yeah and um uh it's it's exciting to me when 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 it is turns out you know that was one of the things about gumshoe that was really cool it was like oh my god there's a story here and it's a, you know it's a nice straightforward story yeah and there was no there was no escaping in that it was like you've got an hour to fix the problem, problem yeah right um and the problem was find the painting so that we can do the thing and it's almost <laughs> I mean, like the the metaphor of the escape room, it's like you have an hour to escape the room or we're going to kill you all. It's like, well, I'm not really going to die at the end of this, right? The stakes are a little weird. It's like, I know that I'm not really going to die. So like what it is is that you only give me an hour to find out everything that I can find out. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, that might be part of the thing is it's like a a revolution in the way people think about this form of, of that kind of embodied entertainment. Because it does sort of feel like they're not going anywhere, which is what's cool. Yeah. Right, like they're, they're growing. They're growing. Yeah. There, there may be a peak at some point. There's definitely like you know, a single market can only handle so many of one particular game, but there seems to be no shortage so far of riffs on them. Although, like, how many Egyptian themed rooms can you do? Or, <laughs> tomb of the mummies, mummy. What you know, grand mummy tomb of mummies, grand escape. Like, okay, uh, but you know that aside um there's there's just a lot of um there's a lot of potential left in the form particularly if you you walk away from the escape idea and into something that's that's a different kind of narrative or in lance's case here as you're describing it sounds like a documentary yeah or or a documentary mystery um yeah well, and then, and then the whole like blurring the line between reality and fantasy, like that's that's another sort of thing that that seems to be doing. Um, all right, so that's that's something you just you just checked. Yeah, it was out. last night. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> that's why I said that it's top of mind. Like, oh right. Um, well, because so I started uh, hanging out a little in the escape room Slack. So hey, Errol, and etc. And I think this is a debate amongst that community too, right? Like, is there a bubble? The low quality ones kind of give the genre a bad name. There's a lot of repeated themes. Um, there's a whole, I think, back and forth in that community. Like, okay, uh, some people love immersion. Some people don't like immersion. Uh, and then thinking about like, oh, well, what kind of scientist would actually padlock their thing with this kind of weird keypad? <laughs> like, uh, my secret files can only be found if you put these pieces of wood together in the right way. Like, you know, yeah, verisimilitude, right? Right. Like, like suspension of disbelief. Like, this makes no sense in this actual world. Um, and I am, I mean, I know that they said that they're going to come back, but the man from beyond like strange bird like the only people to try to really merge immersive theater and an escape room and do it well and really be this very interesting unique hybrid and uh at least in the folks that i've been speaking to in the escape room community they're like this is unparalleled like no one else Mm -hmm. is doing this no one else even trying to do this like at this level of execution yeah i think i think because having the disparate skill sets is still, I mean, when we're dealing with forms where people are still, you know, making up as they go along, um, you know, it, it's hard enough for, you know, you get a good puzzler and a good writer together, let alone a good puzzler, a good writer and good performers. 
like that takes you know dumb luck as much as it takes skill um you could probably right now set out to do that and we might see companies like Tubit, you know puts inject some money into hiring people in to do things of that nature that's pure speculation and it's not based on any inside knowledge i just want to be very clear about that that sounds super defensive, but then no, seriously, like I am just talking on my ass on that. Brent is actually doing the opposite. No. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but like, there's there's a whole there's a whole layer where, you know, these skill sets are not evenly distributed, and and something like an escape room has a, a you know on the surface a low barrier of entry. It's like oh. I can buy some padlocks and I can, I can set things around in a room. And I think we've, we've all been to, we have been lucky so far, but like, I know everyone else has all has been to the escape room that is literally like, it's like four trunks and 12 and 12 locks. And like, you've got an hour. I'm going to come back and kill you. And it's like, okay. (laughs) You know, see that's why I have David and Lisa. Mm-hmm. They weed all those out for me, so God bless you, room escape artist. Yeah. Yes. Um, and and then the flip side of it, there are people who are building like the Houdini room uh, in San Francisco, or they're doing they're doing the Man from Beyond, or it's Caden with the basement, or it's Tommy with Stash House, and just really going all out on some dimension or like crossroads which i still need to go down and do oh, yeah. have you done it yet no I no we no. need to do that like the hex room which i've been dying to do for a long time so it's like getting a team together um or or when zoe was running you know um and and you see bigger players coming in right like murder co like you know popped in um you know, recently, uh, and and there's stuff that can be done in the genre um, if you bring the resources in terms of new set deck, um, and other things can be done. You know, in terms of puzzling, um, and and then if you if you want to go for it, like bringing the actors to the game and how that changes. And I've I've been to rooms where like the actors were optional. Right. Like some days there'd be an actor in the room and that kind of like adds an extra layer to it. And other times it's like, no, no actor um, because the room's able to handle it without that. Just a bonus. But like that, that little extra, you know, spice is nice. Um, And definitely when you can make it so that instead of interacting with some unseen game master, you've got someone in the world on your level. Like that's an idea I'm starting to kind of really warm up to um, when it comes to the verisimilitude of these things is, you know, not, not breaking. um, Oh, sounds like some folks are coming to, are are folks coming in the movie theater? Yes. Okay. They're leaving. Sorry. I'm sitting on the floor so no one can see me. (laughs) Um, but um, to build on what you were saying, immersive. Like I heard something <laughs> immersive. I was like, "What?" <laughs> um, to build on what you were saying just now, um, I haven't checked it out yet, but Leah put up that review of the bunker. So mm. Ian is playing the game master, but he's also like in costume and he's part of the world, but he's also helping to narrate the LARP elements and the tabletop elements. And then there's a laptop, no, I think it's tablets where you like web chat with the other bunkers. And at first I thought they were other game players, but I guess they're actually performers. So in that sense, it's like, oh yeah, they really are kind of like on your same level. So I'm going to check that out in a couple of weeks. So I'm also really looking forward to that. Yeah. Like this, these are, these are the kind of things that, you know, people are only just now beginning to try. And I think that the question around like, you know, how much immersion, I hate saying it that way. Like I would say how many immersive elements, right? Like, like how, how much do you want to, actually this, this is really interesting to me is that this idea in the escape room world of like, some people really don't like it trying to, you know, plunge people into a story and make people forget that they're in a room there's this sense of on the puzzler side maybe of 
the, the puzzle is real. The puzzle is true. It's it's a puzzle. Like it is actually a it's, real it's thing. Tangible it's tangible. Yeah. I don't need to be lied to in your storytelling to make me think that this is more interesting than it actually is. Uh, I don't want that. And on the flip side, um, you know, not everyone dislikes a pure puzzle. And because I can sit at home and I do locks. Right. <laughs> or like, or I can, or I can, or, or do, or what do you, nothing is like, I can sit at home and do Sudoku or yeah. like, you know, like there's, there's plenty of things of that nature, but like we have this opportunity, but I think we'll find that the market bears like acro- across, across those. Yeah. You can go for both. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not, they're not mutually exclusive. Not at all. And I think a smart, a smart company is going to have a number of different types of attractions, right? A single location is going to have, you know, a couple of this is really good for the puzzlers and a couple like this is really good for the LARPers. And, you know, here's one that's good for the people who want to be entertained by performers. And um, that goes, that's going to go a a long way Um, because I bet you most groups, you know, have sort of a mix of people in terms of what it is they, they really dig in and really like. Um, Yeah. What do you do if you like it all? yeah right you know that's like, that's our problem i'm like i want to solve the puzzle and i also want to be a character and what's that over there <laughs> yeah seriously i mean and 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 again that gets to the fact that like you know these these skill sets they're not they're not equally distributed yet they're not everywhere and it's going to take some time before that's the case no it looks like uh, in utah they're trying to do that like all, all together right, right now Evermore Evermore. Park. Evermore Park. That looks so great from the pictures. There's, I'm starting to get back channel buzz about Evermore Park and like what they're, what they're looking to pull off and like how much space they're giving over to the theatrical stuff. Um, All I know is I'm looking at the pictures and like 21, you know, 19, 20 and 21 year old me, you know, from when I was in college and like do my, like my deepest hardcore LARPing when we were out in the backwoods of, of Connecticut um is looking at that going that's exactly what i wanted to do yeah like you know like it's funny people don't realize like as you know as larper like your whole at least like the old school like you know like the uh, you know the 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 buffer larpers you know one of our things that for a lot of people what they want to do you want to get that suspension disbelief you want to push as far as you can right without hurting anybody right and you have to have really you need money, <laughs> you know, yeah. to do it really well. And <laughs> you, need a lot of money. you need a lot of money. And what I'm seeing coming out of, coming out of Evermore right now, at least, you know, some pictures I've seen it, like they're, they're doing just that. They're, I mean, they're spending the money. They've got the craftsmen and they got design. I want to see what, you know, what they're doing story-wise. Yeah. If, if they're, you know, if they're even doing a story, I mean, like, you know, like if it's just character driven or, or if it's player driven or how, you know, so I'm, well, I'm curious to see what it plays out. And depending on how things structured, like it could be like a platform where like, you know, they can do, you know, if you, if you think of it this way, like if someone was building, you know, Azeroth Park, right, <laughs> you know, there would be plenty of stuff that was that was just constantly going. Yeah. And then there'd be there'd be times where it's like, guess what? We're going to do a raid on this weekend. Why? Because you want to bring everybody back. <laughs> you know, I think I think that the, the tricky thing about that park, I imagine, is just going to be, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know where it is relative to like the urban centers in Utah, like how if they're like a couple of hours out, but like people probably didn't expect, you know, Meow Wolf to do as well as it did. So everyone was something really curious about like how that one goes. Does it become a destination? Do people travel there for it? Do they travel there in groups? You know, is it Westworld? I mean, that's the thing, you know, well, and can, can they beat? Can they beat sort of Disney to the punch on what Disney's trying to do with the the Star Wars hotel, yeah. right? Where like Which we don't get in Los Angeles. Yeah, well, it's, you know, look, it's it's fine. <laughs> like, it, actually, you know what? I'm kind of happy about that because, like, I don't want to book a hotel room in Anaheim. <laughs> I just don't. Just but then don't. we could all go to get those tiki drinks and yeah. Well, not, there's other yeah. places. There's places to get wasted in Orlando, and you know, <laughs> we can just take a monorail. It's great. That's what the plan is, guys. Right. Um, I just the Jedi training in Orlando is twelve and under only. Noah. Well, the same here, yeah. but that's going to change once the hotels open. So don't even worry about that. So the Sith, <laughs> I'm going to go for the Sith training. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Join me, and together we can rule the rest of his father. And oh son. God, Lord! Security, uh, we have a problem. This is definitely <laughs> a problem. Who's that guy? Anthony's going to Disney jail. Um, in there 
that's a time for a different podcast. Uh, uh, different podcast. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we touched on a lot tonight. Uh, we've also been at this a while because the computer kept on defeating us. Um, what we did hopes and dreams at the start of the year. Uh, I haven't even thought of this yet, so I'm kind of putting us all on the spot. But what, what as we the year heads towards an end, uh, what are what are we sort of what are we looking forward to? Is there any any particular piece or or a trend thing that uh, you know that we haven't talked about yet? You wanna, you definitely wanna do. I've got mine. Mine's easy, and and right. sort of simple. I could start. Go for it. Uh, and this will also set the tone so you guys know. I'm really looking forward to Delusion. Nice. Right? Like, it's been two years. Um, uh, His Crimson Queen was my first one. I know that some people say, like, someone was telling me the other day, like, that one was cheesy. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Like, it was like hammer horror. I love that <laughs> stuff. And this one's going to be an Indiana Jones style. Like, it's like Indiana Jones meets Time Bandits. And I was like, you had me at any of those words. Uh other than like the classic meats pitch, but like, you know, like Indiana Jones, Time Bandits, like I'm, I'm, I'm game. I'm super game. And that's coming up in just like, I don't know, eight weeks, if that, as we're recording this, probably by the time it airs, like we're like six weeks out, if that. Um, and, and just, just the potential there again, because it's something that's going to be just accessible, you know, accessible in a way, you know, thematically and adventure wise, that like a lot of other stuff isn't necessarily accessible. And it's going to have a long enough run, I hope. <laughs> uh, well, I know at least like for the fall, right? A long enough run that a lot of people are going to get a chance to see it, which is super exciting to me. That's very so, cool. Yeah. Um, Catherine, anything on, on in New York that you're. Yeah. Um, so I guess one thing that we didn't really talk about was magic so there is a site-specific experiential magic piece that a fellow made that was around a space called wilderness on the lower east side slash chinatown and he actually doesn't want to call it immersive but when i started asking questions about it it was all around the objects in the space the space itself having intimate one-on-one moments. It's called Six Impossible Things. Mm-hmm. And the way that David and Lisa described, I mean, they they love magic, as, as do I. And they thought it was really great when that in each room of the space, he does some sort of illusion or trick or whatnot. And so you literally couldn't take this show and move it anywhere else. And I've been to the space before in a different context. And so I'm really interested in how a different creator who's coming at it from a different perspective is using a space that I've seen for a game that I've seen for immersive theater and using it to kind of accommodate what he's trying to achieve. The other thing that I'm looking forward to is the void is finally opening a standalone center that is not inside the wax museum. (laughs) Right. So you don't have to buy the ticket just to go see Ghostbusters. So I want to see what else the void has in store that's potentially like, you know, their own original IP or some of the partnerships that they have in the works. And is there something in the water in Utah? Because aren't they also from Utah, uh, speaking of the void and Evermore Park? I mean, Evermore, I mean, Evermore is owned by one of the the co-founders of the void. So there you go. Yeah. Something in Utah. Something in Utah. Well, I know, I know what I'm looking forward to. Um, uh, I'm actually looking forward to more of uh, smaller serial shows mm. in Los Angeles. Um, it's one of the things uh, that I was really excited about. You guys all know, because like, I want to shout up about it. Um, the Captivated series, mm-hmm. the Captivated trilogy. So the next one is coming out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, chapter two, uh, uh, Juliet. Um, Justine. No, Justine, sorry. Yeah. Justine. Uh, it's coming out in a couple of weeks. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it because, you know, it's this neat little, you know, this small, intimate play that you know they put on a handful and then you know they do another one uh and i think that's something that at least in los angeles because the way our spaces work works really well and it's good for building an audience because you know you can do a lot of little shows yeah and that you know keep bringing more people back so you want to see the next one next one next one um so i'm looking forward to that and um i am very much 
looking forward to uh, believe it. I'm looking forward to see a broken bone bathtub return to Los Angeles. Oh yeah, um, uh, largely because you know I saw the show and when it's early, you know, we saw it, uh, the in earliest, earliest, earliest con- con- yeah. incarnation, and I'm looking to see how it's changed. You know, because I even know that you know between when she first started the show and when we saw it, you know, it changed. She made yeah. changes to it. So you know, with her touring it, uh, you know, overseas and across the U.S. and you know. I'm really curious to everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. been everywhere. And I'm really curious to see what uh, Siobhan's done with it. Um, in, uh, in yeah. It'll, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see it come back here. So, all right. On that note, uh, and as I stare at this, this makeshift uh, uh, setup and go, God, I hope this is actually recorded. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know these symbols well enough to know if like it did what we were supposed to be doing. Um, it definitely said at the start that it was recording. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to sew us up there. And uh, if this worked out well, then we can actually do this a little more regularly because this option has some call in options. So we can we like change the dynamic. Cause I'd like mm-hmm. to check in with us all on a more regular basis. And on that note, um, yeah, we'll do the whole show close after this. Bye guys. Bye. Awesome. Thanks. Hey, uh, yeah. So, um, normally this is a part of the show where I say, and you can find, but you know where to find us. <laughs> Go to nopersidium.com. That's where you find uh, all of us weirdos uh, all the time doing doing the things that we do. Um, hey, gang, it's Labor Day weekend. Um, I'm recording this Friday morning. I'm really tired. I don't know if you can hear in my voice. I'm like super tired. Um, so this this um, gosh, what should what should we talk about uh, real quick? There's 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 tons of things going on in, in many different corners. Uh, some of which I'm under NDA on at the moment, but uh, look forward to getting to talk to you about in some number of weeks. No, not one of those teases. Yeah, one of those teases. Um, and there's a bunch of planning that we're doing for IDS. Yes, we want to make a bunch of announcements soon. Uh, we're going to make a bunch of announcements soon. There's also a whole bunch of uh, other festival and, and summit things going on, like FOST Summit is happening uh, in October, and uh, there's still there's still tickets available for that. So, you know, we're like... Try not to like you know step on everybody's toes as, as we make announcements here, but just a reminder that uh, IDS will be coming up in February, um, and yeah, oof, geez. Um, so in the past couple of weeks, um, I'll do the thing where I talk about the day job for a couple of seconds. Uh, there was some like shuffling at the day job, and I suddenly have at least for a while a lot more responsibility, and uh, that's cool, I guess. Um, <laughs> Uh, don't know how much uh, is left in me. Um, how much more responsible can I be before I just spend all day playing video games uh, because someone broke Noah? Um, which is which is where the Patreon comes into it. So um, he's like, no, not this, not the guilt trip. Oh, the guilt trip. Look, let's let's be real here for a second. Um, I I love the fact that folks come in at like higher than five bucks a month. I'm also terrified by that prospect. Um, because one, um, I'm, I'm about a month and a half late on getting out, uh, all the, the quarterly care packages for all the $25 and above donors. Like there's, there's a heap of stuff sitting in my house and I'm like, I got to get to you today. And, uh, at the end of every night, I'm like, I got to get to you tomorrow. Um, and, and maybe this weekend I, I get to get to part of it because it's three day weekend. So, you know, work. Um, and it's a hell of a lot easier when this is, uh, you know, the one in five dollars. So and look, as I've said before, you know, most everyone who listens to the show, think of this rate. We're getting we're getting we're getting a really good rate of return uh, in terms of the show. So it's not the show people. So it's like, why am I talking to you? Because I do need your help. Social media is the devil. And I don't mean that in like a metaphorical sense. I mean, it is the actual flesh of Satan. Um, (laughs) uh, Because it's true. Um, In order to beat the devil at his game, uh, one must play it with a degree of skill and ingenuity. 
and uh, there there are sort of two. Well, you can play the devil's game by his rules, which is to pay him money to promote your tweets and 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 your Facebook posts and everything, and all that does is it fattens the devil, and the devil is very fat. Uh, <laughs> wow, this became. Noah's old-timey Bible hour. And I tell you, the devil is in your machines. Um, and uh, <laughs> But if you, we come together and shine happy lights from our bellies. Oh, wait, that's Care Bears. And shine happy lights from our chest. No, that's Optimus Prime. If we come together and we strategically support this sad little escapade we call no proscenium sad it's glorious uh and get out there and share the episodes of the podcast that you really like um we're gonna do a a sort of our picks of like you know here are the five or the ten that you should like totally check out we're gonna we're gonna draft that up (laughs) when there's time but uh when we do that please share that uh we're when there's articles that you you like, uh, everything immersive this week is probably our most important product on the website. So check that out, share that. When you share the material, people find the material, people like the material, and some portion of people decide, hey, this is worth a dollar, this is worth five bucks. That's what I really need from you right now. Particularly if you're someone who gives already, I don't want more of your money. And I know I've got your attention because you stayed in this far. What I need, What I honestly need, I am legit asking you right now, is I need you to share. It's ridiculous. I feel like a YouTuber. Uh, uh, You know, if someone told me when I was 14 that one day you could just sit in front of a computer, play video games all day and become a millionaire, I would have said, sign me up. And then they would have said, but we got to freeze you for 15 years. And I would have said, that's cool. Uh, Unfortunately, we didn't have the freezing technology or know what YouTube was. So I need you guys need you to share the thing you think is going to resonate best with the people, you know, who are into this stuff and with the people, you know, who are seeking out to discover this stuff. All right. And if there are things that we could do to help you convert your friends into fans of immersive and being passionate about immersive. Talk to us. Talk to me. Hit me up on Twitter. Best Twitter is the, the 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 method by which people reach me that I get least annoyed by. So if you're a Twitter person, hit me up on Twitter at Noah J Nelson. Um, you can email me before you Facebook message me. Uh, Noah at noprecinium.com. If you've got an idea and you're like, hey, you know what would would be great would be this because this if I had something like this from people who knew what they were doing. Uh, you know, my friends might actually join me on one of these escapades, you know, so let us know about that. Um, I want to do even more. I want to spend more time working on this and, uh, we're just coming up to this. It's like this race between no pro and my day job right now. And I, I, I need your help. It's simple as that. Because there is a chance that the the black hole of my day job is just going to. Yeah. August was fun. I'm glad it's the last day. Uh, So sorry that I ended this on a bummer down note. Um, There's there's actually a lot of good stuff going on. There's there's support coming in from corners. There's some opportunities on the horizon. Um, I'm just I'm just running out of energy. Um, and it's not like I'm going to stop fighting, but, um, you know, uh, it, it really, it really helps to see that support reflected back, uh, from everybody. It keeps, it keeps us going. So, um, so, so this is the part when like, you know, he's down on the mat and then everyone starts shouting the name and then he like gets back up and he tosses the other guy out of the ring. Um, I was going to like reference specific uh, wrestling superstars in that one, but then almost every single one of them is problematic. So, um, look, man, child of the eighties, it's all in there. It's all in there. Um, the, the wiser version of me would like say, nah, I can't do this version of the ending. And, uh, now I feel like being wise right now. 
Um, so this is this is the unvarnished truth. Um, and by the way, uh, Catherine, not you. <laughs> you do enough already. Um, there's there's the the team is fantastic. So this is not my message to the team. Uh, this is my message to you, our our readers, our supporters. Um, probably if it's like, well, no, what should I do? Which thing? Everything immersive this week. Push that. Because we're also trying to get more people curating on that. We want that to be the, the hub for everyone. Um, so uh, push, push EITW. Uh, you will find it on your feeds. It usually comes out over the weekend. If it doesn't come out on a Friday, look for it. Look for it again on the Monday morning. And, you know, that's the summary of what's going on. Um, if you've got some notes about, you know, how do you like to see it involve, please, Noah at nopristinium.com. Uh, let's make this happen. Let's, and let's focus on the website, growing the audience. Um, and we have been, I mean, like the funny thing is, is that, you know, I don't want some listeners like, ha ha, his traffic must be awful. No, we are doing good. Like we're growing. And in order to grow more, we, we, we need more focus, more energy, more attention. So, uh, let's get us there. Uh, but the first step, weirdly enough, is to grow even more, right? Grow more before we do more, and then we can do more and grow more. Oh, this is like a, a drug habit. All right. That's enough. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Herstand, Mark Balthazar, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. Thank you all. As always, uh, we are also brought to you in part by Meow Wolf, our friends down in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I'm Noah Nelson, and until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>